0: Hello and welcome. My name is Mark Blatstein, the physician who created Physician Pre-Sentence Report Service. Today's YouTube is about <clears throat> you and your physician as you each are preparing for your pre-sentence interview and the events and the eventual drafting of the official pre-sentence report. Personally, my history, as most of you know, is a thirty-plus year career in medicine approximately almost 20 years ago i too was convicted of a felony then with the support that i'm grateful for of colleagues from different parts of the u.s and a dean of a school i was able to get my medical license reinstated in full without restriction in 2010 Was at that time I chose to detour from patient care and to work with those of you who are unprepared as you face this surreal event called federal prison and the sentencing hearing. Because when I was at the point all of you are at at this point in your lives, I was unprepared for the pre sentence interview, the narrative allocution, the re-entry plan. I didn't know what any of those were when I was in court. For entering the BOP or the Federal Bureau of Prisons when I self-surrendered, I wasn't prepared for anything. So my goal and mission was to essentially smooth that transition process for you and hopefully expedite your reentry out of prison And hopefully with dignity into a new career, because it's something that you need to start planning for, believe it or not, before you enter the prison on day one. So with that said, let me try and transition everything smoothly to my computer screen. I guess that's good enough. Uh, got that. And here we go. So the pre-sentence report. This pre-sentence report, and this year I was a publisher and several other co-publishers a year or two ago on the critical role of the pre-sentence report. But what is the pre-sentence report? It actually acts as a referral. And it's a referral to the judge where he's going to sentence you to a length of time incarcerated, or on that rare instance, to home confinement, if that's possible. We do have a case where that may be happening soon, as well as to where you get placed into the BOP, Federal Bureau of Prisons, and to what programming that you may get. And so I believe you'll be able to see my mouse as it goes through the screen. So it will, you'll be able to essentially learn your re- release date kind of approximately. You will have before you get to your pre-sentence interview, you will have written and rewritten with the help of others, your narrative you are prepared and role-played your allocution, which is your conversation with the judge, and written and rewritten your re-entry plan, where you've accepted responsibility. You understand that there are victims that have undergone pain and you've sympathized, sympathized with their pain, understood their pain. If there are security-level requirements, which there will be, <clears throat> these could be verified before you've gone into your pre-sentence interview, and I will go through how that is done. Part of it is through fixed scoring through the pattern score. Part of it is through the United States Sentencing Commission, which I will go through on another slide elsewhere. If you have medical and mental health care needs, these need to be fully documented long before you get into your pre-sentence interview. Psychology programs are available, but there is, sometimes there's a waiting list. Others, there are very few. Um, Let me, I can, we can, I can give you, I can show you a few that have limited availability. Um, That I'm not going to show you there. I can show you. No, so I can show you here. Well, we'll do that when we're when we're when I we'll show that a little bit later. Program first step back programming and criminogenic need assessment. The first step back programming and criminogenic needs. This was initiated 2018. The Bureau of Prisons is still is still training staff and on. Can, how to conduct the programming as well as computing your uh, the ten and or fifteen credit days that you should be given, and this is back and forth between Congress, the Bureau of Prisons, and the Department of Justice as to how many on any given day it should be ten or fifteen, and the Bureau of Prisons seems to not want to. They're trying to not to give you the fifteen day the fifteen credit days per month, but. The, it's important from the perspective of the judge and of your case manager that your the case manager wants to see that you are showing incremental incremental improvements regarding your criminogenic needs. And there's a risk assess assessment, which is kind of like a small quiz or test that you ask to take when you first meet with your case manager unit team after your self surrender surrender but what can you do to help shorten this day the first from that you can do is invest your own personal time in drafting your personal narrative and this will take time to do your personal narrative and we've gone through that but i'll open it up in a new slide here where on your personal narrative it's a chance where this is where through it'll be incorporated or weaved into your pre-sentence report where you're going to be able to speak directly to the judge and so you know you need to express remorse understand pain for the victim you need to agree with the court as a serious sense of the crime without minimizing it. you need to explain what brought you to this moment and this goes back all the way to your childhood. you need to get feedback. If there is a you know who's someone who has this skill if it's not me it's someone else but someone who can give you honest feedback. if there was a trigger what caused the trigger <clears throat> you need to explain this to the judge. And, you know, it needs to take you to this point as to what caused you to go, what caused you to break the law, and then what are you going to do now that you recognize that you've caused this pain, you've you've broken the law, and then what are you going to do to not reoffend? And this walks you into your your release plan and once you've got these written you've created a your own story which is your only way to counter the story that was written by the department of justice which is your indictment and it's no different nike on tv commercials has their story or their narrative nike shoes tesla as their story of their cars or their narrative of their electric car. The DOJ, the DOJ up until now, has their narrative in, through their indictment. You need to have your narrative or your story so that a week before your sentencing hearing, the judge now can humanize you and doesn't look at you as like America's number one you know, like FBI number one person that the cr- number one criminal in America that that you, you're humanized now as a judge re- reads your pre-sentence report with your narrative in it because he's going to want to speak to you now. And part of that reasoning, this, he wants to speak with you, is because of the narrative. And another part of it is because he sees... That you have a release, re-entry, release plan, but he wants to know your plan too, because he doesn't want to see you again in the courtroom. And again, the reason that I've made an effort to transition from healthcare into working with all of you is because I was not prepared when the judge came, to, you know, asked me what am I, what do I have to say? Do I have anything I wanted to say? I just looked at my attorney and I just I didn't know what to say. And so you don't want to be in the position I was in. You just don't. And so you want to, because at this point, the judge could depart significantly below the guidelines. When you're in the, when you self surrender and you have the first meeting with the case manager, not only are you going to ask, to be able to take the assessment for the First Step back, but you also want to take the financial responsibility program. That is if you have a court ordered where you have a financial penalty that is in this either tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or millions of dollars. And so if you have a financial penalty and you're taking in, you know, people are sending you into your commissary account I don't know, thousand dollars or more a month. Offer to pay a couple hundred dollars a month if you're taking. If you have a penalty of a couple hundred thousand dollars, and you're taking in, I don't know, two three hundred dollars a month, maybe you can get away with offering to pay fifty to seventy five dollars to a hundred dollars a month, um, or a quarter rather. Excuse me, maybe a month, but it may be a quarter. Kind of get a feel for the case manager. But you can't refuse. Because if you do, that may delay your acceptance into, being, into getting the ability to participate in the first step back programming. And in essence, being delayed from early release. First step back. Now we get into that. This assessment. Where you're going to have questions that you that you're going to be taking, you need to answer these questions. Well, my recommendation is learn the questions before you answer them. And so, right here, you can learn the questions, because, and then you can have the answers in weaved into your narrative and reentry plan, which is already being weaved into your pre-sentence interview and report. So, where are the questions? Right here. Go to the website, open it up, and here you go. First step back, needs assessment, self-audit, inmate interview form. And there there are two here, staff, staff interview form, and this is inmate interview form. So I guess this one, you were, you're were interviewing, you're, you fill out on your own. And these are the questions, and these are what you want to answer and remember what you write. And you can e- you can mail this into yourself from home so you get it two, you know, two days before you get there. So you have it right away. So you can type that into the assessment on True Links. If I understand that's how it works. You know, how did you learn about the first step back? Well, you researched it, is what you typed in here. Where'd you learn about your information? Inmate or intention be a staff member, family, friends, inmate, attorney, advocacy group. Well, you can type in there that you learned about or you went online. Needs assessment process. How are needs assessment for the first step back? Did you take their inmate survey on True links? You can fill all of this in. First step back programming. What first step back programs are available at your institution? Well, guess what? You should be able to answer this question. And you should know that before you even get to the institution by rights because, and we'll go over here because at the sentencing hearing, I'm gonna come down, I really don't wanna do that, but I will. No, 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 no. Let's see, I'll do this. Okay, so here you have, these are all the First Step Back programs. And then I'll close this. This is where you can go on the website, find all the First Step Back programs. These are the SPARK 13 questions. I've already opened them up for you. And so here you can go through and you can read all the programs. And you'll be able to go through all of these with your attorney as you figure out what prison you may go to. <clears throat> but with that in mind you're able to identify for example let's say that you're autistic you may not be and this is a book that I contributed at, at two chapters with with attorney Faye Spence on dementia that's not why I came here to go through that so if you're autistic then this is a good example of where there's a program for you and there's limited availability. And why is there a limited availability? One, because it's only at two locations in the country. And so with that in mind, you need to have all of these reviewed before you've gotten to that particular prison the staff interviewed form is this one and so when you're going through with the staff you need to understand how familiar familiar are you with the first step back where did you learn about it and you can say you you went online and learned about it how how are the needs identified and what Needs are your department are responsible for assessing. You can go through all these questions, but here you actually can go and look at, in addition to the page I just opened for you, this is the actual program for program statement for the first step back. And you open that up. And this is a program statement that you can actually just keep for your memory, or you can copy it and print it and mail it to yourself you'll get it within the first week of your arrival likely before you ever have the interview and let's go back you can also the second program statement is about the incentives now these are the incentives that are for people who are not minimum or low, these are for high or medium. So they don't actually, uh, are not applicable to you. And what incentives does your, does your institute offer for program participation? Okay, so it should be all incentives actually from your perspective. So we're gonna go back up to here. This one, I did not want to be there. How did that get here? And all right, now you get me getting to where I, there we go. Okay. So now we're here at your pattern score we've gone through the first this addresses criminogenic needs and the first step back spark 13 is criminogenic needs and as you take these programs you want the if the if the case manager directs you to take a program let's say on balancing your checkbook and you're a bank officer or you are a financial planner or you're a stockbroker don't look at the case manager as if she, he or she is crazy. Just say thank you. Take the program. It You may be the smartest person in that prison, but it doesn't matter. To the case managers or correction staff, you're just another number. Take the program, say thank you. Now, when you leave there and you go take the program, I liken the next idea just to um it's like auto insurance or health insurance how are you going to prove that you took the program other than going to the program and they log you in so unless you can come up with a better idea for the following then my recommendation is use the idea that i've taken from what other people do which is go online to Amazon. And order a paperback. You can go onto my website and find where the link is. A paperback journal that has lined pages with writing on them. Otherwise, the BOP will not let them into you. They're very cheap, under like five, six, seven, eight dollars. And on in that journal, you're going to write down everything that you do. So you're going to journal. You're going to write down when you take the program every day what you learned from that program, the day, date, time that you took it, who was the teacher. And you're going to do that for many reasons. Reason number one is that so you have a log of what you took. So in case the cage manager doesn't have a record that you showed up, you can go get your logbook or your journal and say, yes, I did. This was the time I was there. This is the teacher and this is what they taught. And so you have a record of where you were. Plus, You now have a record of what you're learning, and so over time, as you add to this journal regarding the programs that you're taking, the case manager can see incremental improvements that will be decreasing your criminogenic need. And this is important because as this increases the amount of, if you will, documentation in your Journal, it will then give information to the case manager, and she will then be able to pass on to her super, his or her supervisors that this person, you, have been demonstrating that you're increasing, you're decreasing your criminogenic needs with incremental improvements, and you make your case manager look better. We're going to add to that also by suggesting strongly that you have spread out through family and friends so that no no one person's responsible you're every couple every week or two two paperback books are coming in that are non-fiction regarding either on topics you put you have previously picked re, regarding biography history philosophy life life skills whatever the nonfiction topics may be, science, it doesn't matter. And you are also doing book reports, if you will, or small reviews of each of these books, what you've read regarding the author and your takeaways. And these are also being added to the your logbook. And as you go into this, each meeting, you are then gonna copy just an updated version from your log that you bring into your case manager, so that they can see that it's increasing what you're doing. You can have the log book with you, but you can only but just give them the updated version. And this is going to show that your case to your case manager that you're really that you're following your reentry plan, and that it's you're showing incremental improvement. By decreasing your criminogenic risk, that's very important. Next, we're going to go into your pat- pattern score. So this you can do with your attorney long before you go to your pre-sentence interview, and this plays a role, unfortunately, in uh, where you're in your BOP placement. And So I'm just going to open up one, which is going to be your male pattern score, and you can check it out to see where you uh, where you fall. It very simply i'll open it up to a degree and i'll get my picture made smaller maybe not and essentially it's a fixed score that will decrease well you'll see it decrease over time purely by age but if by age we'll say if you're younger you're going to have a higher score not good if you have a violent pattern score it's either going to be yes or no and the violent you know these offenses have There is a a guideline for them that I also have here. Criminal history points, we'll we'll go through that at a little point, a little later in this YouTube. But this is already part of your United States, your judge's sentencing guidelines, history of escape attempts, violence. This all goes into your um, BOP placement as to where you go, your education is important. You know, do you have a high school degree or no? Drug status? Are you in a drug program? Did you complete incident reports? You want to have zero. Serious incident reports, zero. Since an incident report, you want to have nothing. Time since incident reports, you have nothing. Mind you, it's, so, it's easy to get an incident report. I mean, if a correction officer on a bad day sees you with an extra apple leaving the chow hall or the the cafeteria they can write you up so just know that if you refuse to participate in your reentry plan the financial rather the financial responsibility plan that can cause you a problem programs completed the more the better work programs the more the better tom sums some st- sum total and that's where it gets figured out and so that's a very brief quick overview women were women are done the exact same way at the same time you need to be getting copies of all of your medical records if you have a medical history it's critically important that you come in with a baseline baseline is just a basic medical baseline is a previous history that your current physicians there can work can start to work from i don't know i mean i'm sure the doctors there are okay but they're not going to be up to the same quality that you're used to on the outside so bring copies of all of your previous blood tests for the last couple of years any type you want to have copies of your physician's name address uh, phone email website all of that information you want copies of your diagnostic tests. this would include CAT scan, MRI, CT scan, x-rays, ultrasound, PET scans, nuclear MRIs, cardiac MRIs, anything. All of those, you want to have their written reports and you want them on CDs or flash drives. And I would get two copies of everything, one for your records, one for the court. Mind you, all of this needs to be done before the pre-sentence interview. You want copies of your prescriptions. Prescriptions are not just for drugs. You want it for, for medical devices. Medical devices can be CPAP, BiPAP. It can be for a prosthetic limb. It can be for an orthotic. It can be for a diabetic shoe. It can be for glasses. It can be for anything medical that I haven't stated. A wheelchair, a crutch. Um, it can be for a, if you have a implantable, um, or an infusion pump, a diabetic infusion pump, anything that you have, you need to have a prescription for. Regarding drugs, the BOP has basically three tiers. If the drug, and it's all generic, they're either on they're either on formulary which means that the drug is generic and usually it's available. They have their formulary list online. If if you should have, you should be able to review the entire drug list to make sure your drugs are available. They have a non-formulary drug list. That means that it's available, but they discourage strongly their medical and non-medical staff from using those drugs. Therefore, if the medication you're on is only available non-formulary, You don't want to learn this when you first arrive. You need to have your physician go through the drugs. And if they're non-formulary initially, see if there's a medication that is on formulary and that you can be switched to. If there is nothing there available, then please ask your physician to see if he will cooperate and draft a note to the BOP stating why none of the other drugs that are on formulary will provide continuity of care for you or reward for your current condition and why it will not work. If he, has, he or she has tried that medication, then why it did not work. If he has not tried the medication, why he knows in advance it will not work. If the medications are not available there at all, the same thing goes, but the same letter or video testimony. But judges have stated that they would like to see your physician in purpose in person at sentencing so they can speak to the doc to the physician or doctor and ask some questions. Because the automatically the the Bureau of Prisons will attempt to use what they call therapeutic substitutions, which are drugs that act similarly, but chemically are different. And so it's important for your physician to go there and appear at sentencing because if the physician can convince the judge that there's nothing there that can work, chemically, non-chemically, it's just not available, and you're attorney can impress upon the judge that the BOP does not, takes only recommendations from the court. They do not take orders from the court. And that when a judge appears to order the BOP to do something, the BOP instructs the court to talk to the BOP attorneys. And so that's why you want to have the physician in person at the sentencing hearing. Lastly, you need to start getting copies of everything, your highest educational level achieved, copies of your audio and all professional diplomas, military record, your highest rank level at discharge, copies of all that along with special training, copies of any certificates, whether occupation or trade. But if you have any special education, occupation, certification in computers, please leave that at home. Don't bring that with you. Copies of your identification regarding social security card, driver's relations, and birth certificate. If you have those that you want to write or correspond correspond with, you want to bring a copy of, you want to bring a list of their name, address, phone number, email address, mailing address, and you can have that on the back of, any piece of paper that is from your legal case, not your pre-sentence report, just from your case, and that you can try and bring in with you in a envelope titled legal mail, and you can also put it in an envelope and mail it to yourself, also titled legal mail, and you can mail it probably a day or two before you self-surrender. And from here, we go to what your attorney's doing. And so what your attorney is doing at this point, uh, let's see if I can get to where I want to be. And, okay. So where, where we are right now is that the attorney now is at this same time is trying to reach out after the guilty. You're, you've gone through the guilty phase. In other words, you've gone to trial and you're guilty, or you've pled and you're guilty. Now, send you pre-sentence interviews coming up. Gives the legal team time to connect with the probation officer, and it's a big deal. And when in doing that, they can, they need to learn what forms and documents that the probation officer needs, although for the most part, they know what they are. And they also know the date that they want everything completed. They want to know politely what date is it easiest for the probation officer to get together for the interview because the probation officers are just taxed to the max. They are overstaffed over they're overworked underpaid and they just don't have time they just don't have enough time for anything it's important for the probation officer to to learn the probation officer's final dictation deadline for the pre-sentence report because this that that timeline allows the legal team or your attorney gives them an idea of this timeline to defend to 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 um, define their defense strategy. And this is where they're gonna consider, you know, they need to figure out your your behavior and the offense, kind of if there's any grounds for relief from the guidelines. And equally important is that when they're going to make a placement request they need to know the reason why the placement request is being made. And this is gonna be either due to a medical reason or a first step back programming reason or another reason that may rise to that occasion, which will come out of you know, the attorney getting to know you. The attorney at the same time, while building this relationship, with the probation officer is going to want to know if the how much the attorney how much the probation officer knows which hopefully isn't much because the probation officer wasn't in trial and so hopefully they have not formed an opinion on you there's a lot of that they've been busy at and while the department of justice's narrative through their indictment of you, has been out in public, hopefully the probation officer has not had time yet to speak with the prosecutor. Because if they already have had time to speak with the prosecutor, they may have already been influenced, just not in their favor, not in your favor. The attorney then, in speaking with the probation officer, can begin to make their case and position with a personal meeting, and all along, you've you've been through writing and rewriting your narrative, and this could undergo a dozen rewrites until it's distilled into a final version of you, where you're accepting responsibility, you're understanding the victim's pain, and it's your your story. It's a unique and honest version of yourself and the events that resulted in your arrest. And the goal is to for your narrative and your re-entry plan to be inc- woven into your pre-sentence report. So that should <clears throat> the judge want to wish to speak with you at the sentencing hearing, you have role played with your attorney and others, your allocution so that you're ready to answer his questions from the heart. And so I'll say that a little effort goes a long way when working with the probation officer. And it's important to state your case for your attorney to state that your case clearly in a letter to the PO as early as possible. And only after your attorney feels that Possibly if your probation officer is receptive to a variance to begin to approach that option below the guidelines gingerly with that probation officer. But understand all along they're very busy. They don't have enough time, but they may appreciate your your efforts and easing a portion of their white workload. But remember that Every bit of effort is appreciated. You want to have all the information for the probation officer at the time of the interview. That means all of you, if you have a medical record, have it ready. Um, Have everything that I've discussed, everything you need ready at that point of the pre-sentence interview. Because you just need to. Then should a point come before you get to the sentencing hearing, it is possible should the your attorney have a relationship built and you have a relationship built with the probation officer that should something unusual come up that your attorney could call the probation officer and have, it written and emailed to the attorney in such a manner that it could be copied and pasted into the appropriate part of the pre-sentence report where it's less work for the probation, for the probation officer. Certain things that I'm placing, I have notes here. Obviously, your attorney is going to know that if for the sentencing memorandum, that they're going to highlight reference. Highlight relevant case law that supports your sentencing position, where it just makes it easier for the judge to clearly find. If there's overcrow, if there is in the news overcrowding and staffing shortages, if this is applicable and it, and it affects you, um, it may affects your programming needs, access to, to other BOP type services. This may be you know another avenue to approach. If you while COVID, we're all in agreement, it's going to be with us for a very long time. Um, whether or not you've chosen to get vaccinated, if you're a post COVID long hauler and it's active right now for you as a condition, and that meaning that your symptoms are, for the most part, you're bedridden, that you are not in any position to be admitted to a federal prison at this point. They do not have the facilities to care for anybody, no jail or prison in the country. This requires 24-7, 365, and they're still not available to treat, they're not prepared to treat you. But this requires your attorney working with uh, probation and the court and the BOP. And if they say they can, prepare for you, that they are able to care for you, then, you know, reach out to the physicians because that are treating you because you're going to wind up. I think you're going to wind up getting trouble because they're going to expect you to participate. And if I don't think that they're going to be able to care for you, that's a problem. I mean, that's my takeaway. I'm not sure that it, that that's going to be an issue. Lastly, if you if you're good if you're a veteran and you are under um, like 9 years under 9 years you may qualify qualify for a a satellite camp and if so one prison in the country Morgantown West Virginia let me see if I can pull this up here on a Oh, that's crazy. It opened in the same one. I didn't like that. Morgantown has a veteran's wing. Here they they train service guide dogs for other veterans who have PTSD or other disabilities. And so not saying that you'll be able to get in that training program, but it is something to be considered. And... We're going to go into the, let me just pull down here so I know I have to fix that. Um, I need to know I got to fix that one at the bottom here. At any rate, lastly, your attorney's taken you this far. Really much the rest is up to you. So I'm gonna re-ask you, you're at the sentencing hearing, the judge has read you narrow read your narrative, you read your reentry plan, you're in the middle of your allocution. So hopefully you are prepared to speak to your judge today. So in the back of your mind, you've been thinking all along, what's the one thing that differentiates you from everyone else entering your judge's courtroom? And today you're showing that to your judge. And that is probably what this entire YouTube has been building up to at this point. I hope that you found all of this helpful. And I am grateful that you've taken your time out of your day to listen to this YouTube video. Have a good day and stay safe.